Hi everyone, and welcome to Did You Watch The Race, the Irish F1 podcast that looks at the world of Formula 1 from the dual perspective of a long-time fan and a relatively new fan to the sport. I'm Jason, and I've been watching F1 for the last 15 years or so now. I'm Colm, and I've been following for the past four years. We're joined by our producer and social media manager, Gemma. And I too have been watching Formula 1 for four years. We'll be catching up on all the drama from the last weekend's race in Miami, from the classic pre-race American fanfare to the Battle of the Bulls for P1. We'll also be having a look at the most memorable celebrities who were at the race weekend that still thought it was good enough to have a fake marina for a second year in a row. For the first time, I'm asking the question, did you watch the race? Yes, I did watch the race. Jason? Yep, I thought it was a, I thought it was a pretty good race all around. It was one of the, there was no yellow flags. There was only two, three cars lapped. It was just like, it was a very seamless event all around. But I thought it actually was one of the better races so far this year because we got to see the cars actually Racing, racing yeah. each other, which was quite surprising given the track. I thought it was quite enjoyable. I was kind of, uh, I remember actually when we, after qualification, I was like, it's going to be a good setup for the race tomorrow. That was a real upset in quali. I think it would set up a really, really good excitement for the race. I thought before the weekend, I was like, oh, the Red Bull's going to pull ahead and it's going to be really boring. Like that's kind of what we've been seeing in the past couple of races. But the way it was set up, I think it made it very exciting. It gave you hope from Saturday into Sunday that there might, something different might yeah. happen. <laughs> it's like that meme with the rake. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, it was actually because obviously I couldn't watch qualifying because I was at good friend of the show's wedding. Happy wedding, Connor and your dad. And I looked up the results on Google and I thought Google was like gaslighting me into some like random result to get me excited and I kept trying to look up other places to see if it was real or not. I remember when you messaged <laughs> in because you messaged us and were like, what the fuck happened? Oh no, it was great. It was very good qualification. It made me really excited for the race. Yeah, a rogue K-Mag in P3. Oh, 100%. Yeah, yeah. And Lewis out in Q2. Yeah, and Stroll out in Q1 then as well. Yeah. So yeah, it really set up for a exciting Sunday evening then. I think the funniest thing was when Max didn't set a time in his first lap in Q3 and Checo then got the top of the lap. In my head, the first thing I thought was, now Checo's going to crash the car. <laughs> <laughs> no, he had Charles to, to do that for him. That's... Yeah. Charles's third crash in eight days was it? Yeah, he's he's just. I feel like he sets. He like he he is very fast. He's a fast driver, but he's just very very yeah. inconsistent. He's probably losing a lot of confidence as well. Absolutely, Martin brought a lot of piece up at the weekend, just basically saying he's trying to do too much with that car, and that's that's leaning into it as well. And every crash is making him, you know, that's more points lost. So he's driving it harder the next time. It keeps it's a self fulfilling prophecy. It's like a so, spiral. Yeah, it's quite a like it's obviously a big thing in sports these days to have a sports psychologist. So I'd be surprised if they don't have him with somebody because oh god, I hope so. When you think of it at that age as well and everything, the level of pressure he's under to deliver results as well as everything else and his own want to do it, you know, they do need to look side. We we often talk about how physically fit they all are. They are the ones in the car at the end of the day. It's there's a lot to a lot of pressure. Yeah, yeah. Now that you said that, I actually when I think about it, I would be surprised if they don't all have a sports psychologist. Now, obviously, some of them won't need as much as the others, and uh, they mightn't do as much with them. But I would, I'd be surprised if there wasn't one on retainer at least, like to deal with things. I, I think they'd be able to help, though. No matter as in, say, you look at like Max, say, probably as the the top driver at the moment. Even being able to keep that within a, a shell and keeping the performances yeah, going, enough, yeah. it would help from that side of it, you know. I was thinking of the analogy of, you know, when you're late for something and you're running around the house and then you keep dropping like your keys and you keep dropping other things because you're late and then you're panicked and you keep getting angry at yourself because you're like, I have to stop fucking dropping things, I'm late. 
It's like that, but... Yeah, and then Signs picks up your keys and walks out the door and goes to work. (laughs) Yeah, it's raging. I was going to say, you get to work after all that and you're still only there, what was he, 10 seconds ahead of Signs? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I suppose we could start the race recap with Ferrari's lack there of a race. Yeah, Colin, what you touched on, obviously, about Leclerc is very fast. But he has the he can drop them kind of clangers at weekends. But he was still very close to Science, who you know is kind of not getting away with it. But as I didn't see as much talked about him because Leclerc's weekend was so bad. But they weren't that far away from each other in the end of the at the by the end of the race. Yeah, and it, just it was actually kind of, really disappointing. I think because Science was showing up for quite a good race, and then obviously he had that incident in the pits again, which this time obviously was almost completely him, mm. nothing to do with actually the Ferrari team. And then. Uh, yeah, he just kind of dropped off. He was like chasing Alonso. He was keeping close for a good bit, and then he just dropped off. I don't know if they, they their tire management isn't as good, and um, if the car is too hard in the tires or something. But something definitely happened there where he just disappeared. I think that's definitely part of it. Anyway, that the car is chewing up tires, and with obviously with the amount of rain that we were having and they were having in Florida over the weekend, the track was quite green. So that will also eat up your medium tires, high temperatures. So in a car that if it's not good in its tires, they were a bit. That's the worst environment for them to be in. They would have been in hard management mode from early on. And he was still pushing Alonso, yeah, in that first stint. Then once they put the hards onto that car, it just fell apart. They had no pace at all. Like, Leclerc was struggling to get past Magnussen pretty much the whole race. Oh, I can't believe it. Magnussen, he drove fantastically. Yeah, Magnussen had a fantastic weekend. Yeah, I think there was about, I think there was three times when Leclerc tried to overtake him unsuccessfully. Uh, Sorry, no, he overtook him and then Magnussen was able to take the place back and they were just fantastic moves for both of them, like, which was really unfortunate for for Leclerc. Like, he was, yeah, he was really struggling to to deal with him. Um, And I think that's because Magnussen's, like, he's very, very good. He just has a shitty car. Yeah. Yeah, well, like, I think just this, this weekend he had it dialed in. He was, mm, 100%, he was really yeah. on it. But Ferrari seem comfortably the fourth fastest car at the minute. Like they're they're nowhere near even Mercedes, Aston Martin really. No, no, no. Even I'm looking at how long it took Leclerc to get past Magnussen. Like it, we're talking three quarters of the race almost. Crazy. Oh, it was a big chunk yeah. of the race. Yeah, it really it really yeah. hindered him. Gas though. And it, I don't even think Magnussen had anyone in front of him for DRS as well. That was just pure, he couldn't get past him. Uh, yeah, yeah, and when he did, then Kevin had DRS and he was able to handle him. Mm. Yeah. So it was kind of just back and forth between them, which was very fun to watch. I really enjoyed it. I think this race was very fun. There was yeah, some uh, quality driving. Yeah. And some great overtakes. Like it was actually, I really enjoyed this race. This might be, might have been my favourite mm. from so far, just purely because it was consistently action. Yeah, 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 the whole way up and down through the field and and good clean driving as well. There was no crashes. There was very little contact. Outside of DeVries on lap one, I don't remember there being a huge pile of like, I, I think uh, George and Stroll came to blows at one point and there's a couple of wheels banging in that but yeah. There was no race Incidents, inhibiting. No, like massive incidents. Yeah. yeah. Where do we see Ferrari going from here? They're they're just nowhere at the moment. <laughs> they're out of the top four teams. They seem to have the worst car, the worst driver pairing, and it just just doesn't seem to be any light at the end of that tunnel. Really. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. I feel like it's also the team as well. Like the team make a lot of mistakes as well. Yeah. The drivers have no faith in the team. So once that's gone, it's like, where do you go from there? And it's, but it's, it's happening the other way around now as well. It seems where that they can't have faith in Leclerc or Sainz to, to drag that car above where it could, should be, you know? Yeah. Probably don't see them. I don't see them falling off a cliff much more than they have already. I see them being consistently enough <laughs> yeah, average, yeah. which honestly. Yeah. I still think people are like expecting it to be the car from last year, which I don't think, it, I don't think they've 
nailed the regulations as well as they did last year mm. and like last year they, they had a fantastic car they just had a lot of mistakes and a lot of issues whereas this year it just seems they haven't actually nailed the car and yes there's still a lot of mistakes and a lot of issues but even if they were clean slated there seems to be a bit more uh, going on than just that now I think they have upgrades coming in from Imola so but they had a, an upgraded floor this weekend as well so that didn't seem to assist but again Miami is such a different sort of track that we're only going to start to see kind of where the teams really are from now on during qualifying the Mercedes had a bit of an interesting one so we had Hamilton starting in P13 and Russell starting in P6 so it was up to Hamilton really to drag himself up to a respectable uh, or a semi-respectable place I'd say after the qualifying which is a bit of a shambles and then Russell really had a bit of I wouldn't say an issue I'd say more of a tussle between kind of the the top five so he, he was kind of he's sandwiched between Alonso and Sainz in the end but he definitely had issues with some overtaking and um, but he had some really good battles as well which was definitely noteworthy and he didn't crash into anyone and that's really good for yeah. him yeah I think um, it was actually really interesting seeing him take the back seat in the team this weekend. Um, like obviously, different strategy. He had a very unlucky qualification. Russell had the advantage anyway. But that interaction actually between them on the on the track when uh, I think I don't know if he's heard it. The engineer had asked him, uh, "Will you let George yeah. pass?" And he was like, "Yeah, he can go past, but I'm not slowing down." <laughs> I think. And that's then fair. slows down and lets him pass. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and surprised he wasn't like great driver, George. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm not um, surprised. I think, yeah, they're the polar opposite of Ferrari really at the moment. They they can't get the car together at all for qualifying, but come race day, they just seem to keep dragging it up and getting results out of the car. The, the Mercedes have the opposite problem. I, I, I think Mercedes are probably the strongest driver pairing of the top teams. Obviously, like overall, as in compared to Red Bull is very max dependent you know Perez obviously doing well this year uh, Aston Martin are really dependent on Alonso for his points and then Sainz and Leclerc at the moment yeah wouldn't trust them to tie me shoelaces George and <laughs> Hamilton seem to be really showing up every weekend and, br- and dragging that car further than it should be going I, I don't know if that's necessarily true I think um, if you look at I don't know if you watch free practice but Mercedes are really strong during free practice and I think their qualification surprised me like Lewis didn't make it into Q3 but George still seemed to do pretty well. So, like, I don't know if it's... I don't think the car's that bad. That was FP1, you are saying, where they were one and two. I remember seeing, yeah, I had luck. Actually, there was, I found a really good Reddit guy on Reddit who posts, like, really good detailed breakdown of all the laps in the free practices. So, the Mercedes, when they were one, two in, the, in FP1, they were some of the last drivers to do their laps that the track had really rubbered in. So, they were uh, some of the last okay. to do a hot lap uh, on soft. So, that's where that big advantage came from so like that's practice is so hard to decipher from unless you have what tires people did their laps on what part of the session did you know the laps on yeah so but yeah i see what you mean as well but yeah i think they just can't i think it's the top speed is holding them back in qualifying whereas in the race with they tend to have DRS because they're in the middle of the pack i think that's helping them a little bit they're a little bit easier on their tires as well and then i also just think the hard to medium was the strategy to be on at the weekend when you look at nearly everybody who started yes yeah nearly everyone who started on the hard tires and then went to mediums towards the end of the race improved on their finishing positions compared to yeah the medium starters now that was more of a factor of the position they were starting and they may as well throw the dice on it so it was uh it still worked out very well 
So Aston Martin had a good weekend. I know Lance was kind of unfortunate in qualification, but Alonso was very fortunate, and I think he ran a really good race. I think he kind of suffered, obviously, Carlos got him on the undercut, but again, it didn't matter then because Carlos got the penalty, but he managed to fight him off anyway in the end. Yeah, Alonso ran a really good race. Lance also actually had quite a good race. He had a few good overtakes. He was actually quite impressive. I know he's not driving to the same standard as Alonso, but he's doing a solid job at the minute, and I think the energy in the team seems to be really positive at the minute there's a good energy in the team <laughs> there is though as in like you can see yeah did you see the moment when Alonso was uh, called the radio he's like oh where's Lance and he's like oh they're like I think he made P13 he's like that was a great overtake I was like where, yeah. where did you see that <laughs> yeah I was like how is he looking at this it's so funny that he's watching the screen as he's driving yeah and not dropping time while doing it yeah and then the other bit is like at the end of whenever he was on the podium and he was like doing a champion I know he does this the other weeks as well but like he passes the champion down to the team and like yeah. they all pass it around it's it's like it's a good team vibe like yeah absolutely uh, like best of the rest is the best that anyone can manage right now and Alonso absolutely. has done it that's his fourth third place of the year yeah yeah uh, I think Stroll had a great race column. He started at P18. He was up at P7 at one point. Now, obviously, he hadn't pitted yet, but uh, and then he dropped down. But like going from P18 to P12 is not that bad. No, it was a really good race from the only concern I'd have for Lance is I don't know how many races more like this he's going to get while Alonso's on the podium that the majority of fans will give him the benefit of the doubt. Like, I look, I really like Lance. I think he's a much better driver than he gets credit for. But when his teammate is consistently getting podiums and he's consistently not near to him, that's when the questions start asking. And just for himself, I hope that, that, that he gets a decent result soon out of that car because the performance is there. And so if he can get one podium and start building from that there, then it'll help him a lot. Has he been that consistently behind? I thought he was doing semi-decently. He is doing semi-decent, but Alonso's doing fantastic. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, there's no issues with his performance, but just because of the way F1 support and F1 supporters are, you know, not matching yeah. him is immediately a sign that he's only there because he has money and et cetera, et cetera, you know. So he finished in this order, sixth DNF, fourth, seventh and twelfth. So the fourth in Australia was very decent. If he can keep doing that, as you said, Jason, that would be great and I agree I also really like Lance Stroll I think he seems like a, a decent person as well so unaware of his upbringings so to speak so yeah um, yeah I agree I think I also think for him morale wise like I mean I, I know he's number one driver or he's the first driver because you know daddy Stroll but I do think that he like morale wise is probably going to drop down the further he he could even hear it a little bit he sounded a little bit exasperated on the radio during the race I think it was about halfway through where he was kind of asking his engineer like what can I do like talk to me what can oh, I yeah. do how can I improve like I mean if I was him Please I'd also be fairly pissed yeah like you know my teammate is up in P3 why the hell can't I you know drive the exact same car so um, I do feel for him. So the Alpines came out with a fairly interesting race. They really were jumping up and down the grid. Um, so we had Gasly who started in P5, which was stunning. And Ocon then started in 8th. So Gasly finished in 8th and Ocon in ninth. So there was a bit of a movement from Gasly. He moved down three places and then Ocon only moved down one. So Ocon is fairly consistent. It's a nice place to see them in terms of the grid placement so they they both had some great overtakes um, and some great battles yeah I, I think they just needed like the word you said there I think they just needed a consistent weekend yeah. especially after the CEO of the Alpine group overall was ragging into them basically that they're they're not performing oh, as they he? should they 
yeah, he fairly publicly lambasted them for not finishing races and not being quick enough. Now, look, at the start of the season, their goal would have been to get above that top four position start, really challenging Mercedes and Ferrari, and they've watched Aston Martin completely jump above them and that, and they've slipped back away from it. So, you know, you can see where he's coming from. But yeah, I think that was a good settler of a weekend for them for bo- and for both the drivers as well. Pretty much all they could hope for, really, with the, like, the top eight places are pretty much taken every weekend. Exactly, like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, getting eighth place is good enough, like, because just because Lance wasn't there. Or? I'm just really happy to see Gasly kind of coming up again because <laughs> I think he just deserves <laughs> yeah. it. He just deserves it. He works so hard and I love him. So I'm really glad to see him even in the top 10. He's had a decent start with them outside of Baku. You know, obviously he had a clangor in the first race in qualifying, but then came back to get a point. He was running really well in Australia up until the crash. So, you know, he's performing pretty well and he's been ahead of Ocon more than I've seen Ocon ahead of him. Yeah. Yes, that's true. I think Ocon had a decent enough race. I know he didn't place any higher than he had, but he had a good few battles um, and it was good to see him get his elbows out, I guess. Yeah, that 8th to 10th battle, well, ninth and 10th effectively once Stroll is, is performing, is a really close battle like when you have the two Alpines basically there you have either usually the the McLarens or Haas's in fighting for it Yuki is consistently getting pushing up towards it as well it's the, probably the most exciting two positions that we're looking at most weekends I disagree oh go on well I was just thinking that like the top eight there's a lot of jostling between like position three to like five which I think I find quite good in the races at the minute anyway especially mm. this race it was exciting I know Alonso finished third anyway but still quite exciting for the meantime Oh yeah, no, they're they're still exciting, but it's it's the fact that the top eight, you know, it's one of those four teams, whereas that for ninth and tenth, it it has been popping up different teams, different drivers yeah, every time, fair. you know. Oh, but it's yeah, they're both very exciting. I like a good midfield battle though, because the the ninth and tenth, like the, especially for tenth, I think tenth is one of the most exciting positions to see drivers fight for sometimes because it is the Hasses, it is the Williams, it's at the moment McLarens fighting mm. for that one final spot and that makes it more high stakes in some ways and as you said Jason it's a little bit more up for grabs than the top eight so that's kind of exciting too yeah I suppose that brings us on to the stinkers for the weekend uh McLaren and Alfa Romeo both (laughs) Ganyu Joe ran an all right race in fairness but again Bottas pitting early and just not really been able to to keep up with the pace of of them around him and McLaren just McLaren (laughs) McLaren (laughs) <laughs> is that a new verb you've got now they've they've mclaren it yeah like piastri was up at the early stages from p19 to p14 for maybe a hot second and then he just dropped yeah they just had <laughs> zero pace like you know lando wasn't lando finished 17th i think ahead of him you know the, yeah they just lando got knocked off in the first corner as well didn't he he went wide he got a dunt from de Vries, yeah yeah who I suppose we can throw DeVries in with them for the stinkers of the weekend. Yeah. <laughs> and Sargent as well. I'm looking at a graphic of obviously across all 57 laps. So, you know, we have the squeakly up and down lines and Sargent's is just a straight line from P20 to Aww. P20. I know. I actually, I am rooting for him. Like, God love him. Yeah, I think he, look, he's not a great driver. He's not in a great car. But he's having the time of his life. <laughs> <laughs> He's still ahead in Nick Freeze in the championship, to be fair. The McLaren is a bad car, but Piastri has been relatively close to Lando throughout most weekends. Whereas when you look at De Vries and Sargent, they have not been close to their teammates, you know. And there's, there's no excuse for that. The first person you have to compete with every weekend is your teammate. If you're not doing that, then that's just a clear sign that you don't have the pace. Now, look, 
they're up both up against fairly seasoned drivers at this point in Tsunoda and Albon, but still the the difference. Um, but speaking of those guys, actually Albon had quite a good race, I thought. Yeah. Albon had a decent enough race, just a shout out for him. It's just a cruel sport that there's, you know, you can have the race of your life and if you finish 11th, it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which the funny thing is like someone has to be the worst on the grid. Yeah. Like, so it's just kind of yeah. unfortunate, but like... You can't have his tires really, like. his tires really dropped off um, when he changed. So he was obviously on mediums looking from when he pitted uh, and then he just couldn't recover, which I think is a common thing to happen in Williams these days, especially with Albon, where he starts off super strong, can carry the car. But as soon as they, I don't know, it's like they can't warm up the tires in the second, like when, when they pit stop. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, that could be part of it. I also, so I think they alluded to this in commentary, I wouldn't have been surprised if a lot of the backmarker teams would have severely underfueled the cars under assumption that they would have gotten either lapped more than they did or that there'd be more safety cars. So you could have seen a few of those really hammering into a bit of fuel saving from halfway through that race. It's very seldom, like like we said, it's very seldom you see, they were literally hammering tongs for 51 laps straight. There was no yellow flags, pauses that they would, you know, like even one yellow flag period could be enough to pull back nearly the guts of half a lap of fuel or, you know, whatever, to, to satiate what they need. I never thought about that. I think that would have affected a lot, quite a few strategies down through the field. Yeah, but also that would have affected everyone equally, I imagine. No, maybe not. Different no, strategies. but but the backmarker teams will be more likely to throw the dice on it because they have more to gain. You know, as in Red Bull yeah. don't have as much to gain because they're so far ahead. Whereas if well, they had done it as well, hyper aggressive. Sure. Oh, they all would do it, but as in they could have went even more aggressive on oh, it. Oh, I get what you mean. Yeah, yeah. Which would lead to more aggressive need for fuel saving. No, all yeah, all sure. the teams will underfuel the cars and manage through the race, but it's for Williams. As in, if there had been a safety car at one point, then that could have worked out for them. You know, it's it's a calculated risk. But boy, I'm bad at math. so just change up we've left red bull till the end because i think we'll be talking about them at start of a lot of these races they had so much pace in that car outrageous amounts of pace all weekend max cruised up from ninth you know i don't think he was ever more than six excluding pit stops and stuff he was never more than six seven seconds behind checo which starting from ninth is incredible insane from him it was entertaining to watch as well. He was like a knife through butter. Oh yes, yeah, I I wasn't trying to belittle belittle Max there at all. Obviously, he he has amazing pace as well. Um, you know, he was really really on it this weekend, and he it was a fair kind of backhanded slap to Checo after Baku, wasn't it? To be like, don't don't forget, you know, I can start wherever I want on the grid. You could start wherever you want on the grid, but I'll see you in fifty or twenty laps time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm surprised it took him fifteen laps to get up to P two. To be honest, I thought maybe it would be like a three lap, and he'd be like boom. In fairness now as well, I don't think any of the other teams are going to be particularly fighting or trying to defend that much. They know there's no point trying to defend against the Red Bulls, so you might as well just get out of their way. Save yourself some fuel, save some tires. Yeah, Mick said that as well, that if a Red Bull starts behind them, they're just not bothering. Oh, why would they? Yeah. Yeah. You can see that from that double overtake that... um Verstappen did early on. It was almost like Max was sitting behind the two of them in traffic being like, fuck's sake, move. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that uh, that first stint on the hards, that was a real champion stint. That was, I'm at one with my machine. I am... Oh, 100%. Yeah, yeah. Ruining no this issues. track. You know, he kept he pumping in fastest lap after fast lap. Now, obviously, the track was greening up, so that would have maybe made it look slightly better that he was still getting the fastest laps. Yeah. Oh, but like, he, I think he got the... F- he got a fresh fastest lap right before he pitted. Yeah, the, the, I don't think there was anyone touching him. In the, you could put any of them in that car. I don't think anyone was going to touch him this weekend. The form he was in. Well, in fairness, Checo did. Checo was ahead 
for majority of the race, if you think about it. Like, yeah, as in, he like, was. Because yeah. when, um, when Max pitted, I think Checo was like a second and a half ahead or something up there. Obviously, Max cleared that up pretty quickly, but Checo was ahead for majority of the race. He was in position one because Max hadn't pitted effectively. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I think it it was maybe five laps after Checo pitted or so and the gap had come down to 15 seconds and then it started stretching out again back to, I think it was about 18 seconds or so when Max pitted. Max had a much poorer pit stop than Checo as well. I think he, he was over a second off him in the through the pit lane time. But oh, really? from from that gap start going 15, 16, 17, 18, it just seemed ominous that once Max pitted, he was going to get there with much fresher rubber. Oh yeah, 100%. It was, it was obvious it was going to happen, but it was just that I don't think Checo was like massively off until towards the end. And I think at the end, he kind of knew he just wasn't going to catch him. So he kind of started to take it a bit easier. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There was there was no nothing to be gained from it. Yeah, yeah. he's probably just like, I need to calm down and not crash. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the one thing I thought was interesting, and I'm as I, as you would know, the one of the last people to defend Red Bull. But there was kind of the Sky lads were making, they were kind of trying to induce drama when they were talking to Christian Horner at the end of the race, saying, "Oh, you weren't updating Checo and stuff and all this." And they were like, "No, we were." And then I actually went back and checked. There was constant messages to the team or to Checo from the team, and obviously they'd have the pit slow down and everything. Checo. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but it was just it just looked like seemed such an obvious like trying to trip them up that they're trying to stir the pot yeah exactly like just seem very unnecessary from from sky to do that Yeah, i don't really like that speaking of which max actually beat vettel's record for the most amount most amount of wins with red bull which is interesting oh yes i saw that yeah yeah so it's um so he's sorry he's matched vettel he hasn't beaten him yet so they both have 38 wins with red bull and max has achieved it one year before vettel vettel achieved it at 26 and max is 25 so that's exciting it's hard to see any of the current records standing for much longer if max stays in this board the whole time yeah i love actually a good you know what's an interesting stat that adrian newey has been in f1 before Checo was born before Red Bull was in the sport and before Alonso was born. Wow. So, I don't know, Jason, you'll completely understand this, but for other people like myself who still don't understand how tyre strategy works, Christian actually said that either way um, that Verstappen would have beat Perez on the same tyre strategy. So obviously Verstappen started on hards and then he moved to mediums at about three quarter mark and then Perez started on mediums and then moved on to hards. So actually in the simulation um, for Red Bull, apparently with Perez's strategy, he was supposed to be three seconds faster than Max, which I thought was interesting. But also he could have pushed apparently harder on on the the mediums, I think that that there was a lot of tire conservation going on from him. I thought. I think what they did couldn't really factor into that was how green the track was after the level of rain on Saturday night, yeah. and that's what gave the hard tire starters the advantage because the hard could just live with that the, the more abrasive surface for a little bit longer. So the hard tire is a much bigger working range, so temperature wise, so the hard runners were able to keep in that window a lot more consistently, whereas the medium runners had to do a good bit more conservation, and that. That's an evolving scenario. The track is rubbering up every lap, lap after lap. So Checo could have been conserving based on, say, three laps ago. He would have, you know, he'd have an idea how much he's wearing the tires. So mm-hmm. yeah, he may have left a little bit of performance on the table with them there. But yeah, I still, yeah, I, I think regardless of which which way they went, I just think Max was in too good a form to be beaten really this weekend. He could have been driving with three wheels, like yeah, exactly, yeah. And I can sympathise with Red, with Red Bull as well as in, you know. Checo would have been a massive outlier if he had started on hards given like, all the top eight started on mediums you know so he could have lost out on the front line got caught up in 
you know you don't know what sort of traffic or what sort of incident he might have got got stuck in so they did have to go they, they were kind of snookered really they had to go with the mediums for Checo, and it made sense for max to go in the hard starting that little bit further back so yeah yeah i think it's it's probably it's kind of nearly good for perez in a way that he can go away and say oh well if i had started on this or you know you know it gives him a, a morsel of comfort to take away yeah, totally. some of his lack of pace overall though so where would we rank this race out of what we've had so far this season i'm debating first yeah i i would lean towards first so just at the moment we have australia in first and uh, oh do we yeah australia was wild though yeah but this i preferred this race just purely because it was actual racing like australia if you take took out the the restarts australia wasn't yeah but amazing, it had the restarts what are you doing taking the, things out of the race <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah fair. I'd agree with That's you fair. Jason this is a number one for me uh, Australia was very like wild and exciting but after a bit the second red flag it was a bit like okay it's amazing <laughs> yeah I think they're both exciting in different ways the, the which is you know why we love the sport is they were polar opposites in the sense of what made them good races but yeah yeah well if yeah I, I I'd say second I think Australia was I don't I don't think it's necessarily a better race but I think in terms of it was more value Oh, okay, yeah. that's fair. If I was going on the racing, the racing was very good this weekend. Very happy with it. So I'm pretty happy to put that first. If you guys, you guys seem pretty, pretty confident in first, so we can move first. I yeah, I'm confident with my P1 vote. All right, yeah, that's that's how we have a new a new top race to beat. So as we know, Miami is one of the many legacy races now that is just designed to pander to Americans a little bit. Um, you know, which which is fine to a degree. But, uh, and I do love a bit of, I do love the celebrity fanfare. I love the Martin Brundle pit walk. I love all of that. But um, I'm going to just list you out some celebrities who attended over the weekend. So we had Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise has been at a few. Um, Honestly, I think he's genuinely a fan. Like he seems very enthused to be there. We had Shakira, who was actually with Tom Cruise. They're friends or something. Um, Elon Musk. Scientology. Yeah, I can't, I can't fault Tom Cruise except for the Scientology, which is a big part. But <laughs> yeah. I'll confidently say that I love Tom Cruise. They must have some dirt uh, in them. Oh, definitely. 100%. Amongst the evil villains who were there, Elon Musk was there, as well as Jeff Bezos. He's looking very jacked these days. Who? Oh, Elon or Jeff. We had DJ Khaled, who I think last year put on a fairly enthusiastic performance. And when I say he performance, I just for mean... another one. A hey, nice. <laughs> he was there that. performing to Martin Brundle <laughs> last year um, he had a little monologue which is cute uh, Roger Federer was also there and shout out to Jackie Stewart did you see that? yeah yeah. Did, yeah. <laughs> also did you see when they like showed him towards the end of the race and they put up Roger Federer it wasn't Roger Federer it was James Marsden yes James. yeah it was James Marsden I thought it was him it was him wasn't it? yeah so that was funny <laughs> and then finally Paolo Banchero had a redemption moment this year, as did Martin. Um, so he last year was accidentally mistaken for Mahomes. Who's the American football guy? Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes. I th- and he was actually there this year. But this guy, um, Paolo, who I, I'm sorry, Paolo, don't know what you do. Something sporty. He's a basketball player. I did think he looked very tall. So he was accidentally mistaken last year for... Um, Patrick Mahomes. Oh yeah, I remember that happening. Yeah, so Martin came up to him and was like, I know who you are. (laughs) Paolo's quoted saying, I'm honoured that you know my name now and you're great at what you do, which is very cute. (laughs) (laughs) Very, very sweet. Um, Do we want to also have a reference to the 
LL Cool J uh, intro? Or do we want to just do we want to just go past it as quick as Nick DeVries did when he uh, was introduced? He fucking zoomed out of there. Yeah, it was the fastest he was all weekend. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, it was interesting. So obviously, one of the points of this podcast is that it's an old fan, new fan. It was amazing uh, for me watching the heart and soul of the sport I've been watching since 2007 <laughs> just be ripped out in front of me from a naughty's meh rapper and will I am <laughs> yeah it was uncomfortable to say the least it just yeah it yeah the less said, like the, the purpose of it was to basically give a quick summary and introduction to anyone who was tuning in who had never watched Formula One before which is like I can see the reasoning behind it but maybe did it have its place maybe before the race or on a separate like US channel? Like, did it really need to be part of the opening ceremony? I think it was unnecessary and very, again, very pandering to the Americans. So that must be frustrating to American fans. Uh, yeah. So That's Liberty all... Media, if you're listening, please, please stop doing this. Stop it. That'll be all from us this week, folks. Thanks to everyone who's tuned in. If you've enjoyed the podcast, be sure to give us a follow on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen. It really helps us if you leave a review and make sure to tell all your friends and family to give us a listen as well. We're also on Instagram at Did You Watch The Race, all one word. And while you're there, be sure to check out Coley Illustrations. Big thanks to her for doing all of our lovely artwork. Next week, we're going to be previewing the race in Imola. We'll be going through all the news and rumours from the sport and we'll be playing some fun games and we'll be getting your comments, hopefully. Cool. So thanks for listening. I've been Colm. I've been Jason. I've been Gemma. And we'll talk to you next week. So, I think there's only once he hasn't been four, third. Is that right? Yeah, exactly. Um, that was Australia. Yeah, it was. It was. I think Leclerc came third yeah, in Australia. Yeah. yeah. No, but Stroll Leclerc as well. didn't make the third turn in Australia, is what you meant to say. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um.